This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in His power and love even now as you listen. Well, it, we've got a lot to be thankful for, and I was just thinking about just all the blessings and, and, um, in my life in the past few days, but, but one of the things over the past year that's been just such a super blessing, uh, not only to our church, but really to the Southern Baptist Convention, is the leadership of Dr. Paul Chitwood at our International Mission Board. It has been right at a year. He became our president in November of 2018, and it was just a blessing to serve as a trustee and to kind of see that kind of play out and to see him come on board. And I was so thrilled when he did. Uh, God had really given Paul a, a number of experiences to uniquely prepare him to lead our international mission board. Um, he has been uh, a pastor, uh, so he understands pastors. He's been actually a, a seminary professor at, at Southern Seminary, so he understands that part of our convention. And then he had led one of our state conventions. He led Kentucky Baptist as their, their executive director, and so kind of understands how we, how we work together um, as Southern Baptists. And he also understood something about the International Mission Board because he had served as a trustee at IMB. In fact, he and I served together as trustees in the, the mid to late 2000s, and I got to know Paul uh, that way, and I knew that, that God had, had really uniquely prepared him and, and gifted him for the role that he has, he has put him in. Uh, it has been a super busy year for, for, for Paul, learning all the new things as president of the INB, <clears throat> and he has been traveling. He's done six international trips over the past year. He's been on about 140 planes, um, and, and, and we are blessed, though, to have him here <laughs> this morning. Um, and so join me in welcoming Dr. Paul Chitwood as he comes to us today. Hey, thank, you, brother. thank you for a warm welcome this morning. Thank you, Pastor, for your kind introduction. It has been uh, my privilege uh, to know uh, your pastor for uh, right at 15 years, as we, uh, as he mentioned, uh, served for a time on the International Mission Board of Trustees together. He's still on our board. We're, we appreciate his service and your support of him as he serves. Uh, we are also uh, uh, grateful to know that uh, he is serving well as your pastor. Uh, uh, having watched him over the years, I've seen uh, just the sincerity of his heart. I appreciate his positive spirit and, and just uh, overflowing with joy. He also, uh, as my experience has been, and I'm sure yours has too, uh, he loves the Lord and he loves the Lord's church. And I'm thankful that you have the privilege of having him as your pastor. And I'm thankful that he has the opportunity to serve as your pastor. I may have a bit of a short here. I don't want to bust anybody's eardrums if I continue to talk in this thing. We'll see how that goes, but if I need to switch out, guys, just let me know about that. Uh, we're uh, grateful for your support of uh, your missionaries, and I want to say just a, a bit more about that as you turn to the scripture passage that we'll be looking at together this morning in Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56, 
As you're turning there, let me say on behalf of those 3,700 missionaries and their 2,880 kids uh, that uh, you're, you're praying for them, uh, your commitment to uh, supporting them financially through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and, and I know that you're a very generous church in giving through the cooperative program. Let me switch this out. This to be no reason for this to be more painful than it needs to be. <laughs> so, for you or me, uh, but uh, let me again say thank you for, for your support. Your missionaries shared the gospel with over half a million people this past year. Uh, many of those individuals came to faith. Uh, they were saved and they were baptized, and then they were pulled together into churches. Uh, so, as we're here this morning, they could worship and they could be discipled, have the opportunity to serve. And uh, that happened, in fact, uh, uh, to a significant extent, extent this past year as there were over 13,000 new churches started around the world. And that wouldn't happen without your support. And we praise the Lord for uh, your support. Isaiah 56, I want to begin reading uh, let me start reading in verse 8, and then I would encourage you to hold your Bible open or keep it clicked on, whatever that looks like where you are seated, as we're going to be looking at some of the verses leading up to uh, verse 8. But let's begin with Isaiah 56, verse 8. This is the declaration of the Lord God who gathers the dispersed of Israel. I will gather to them still others besides those already gathered. Very simple question that I want us to consider together this morning uh, as we learn from Isaiah 56. And the question is this, why are you here? Why are you here? Why are we here this morning? Why is First Baptist Church here? When you think about why you're here, you probably had options today. Uh, it was a rainy morning, it would have been a great morning to sleep in. Uh, probably still some hangover from Thanksgiving and, and uh, already looking ahead, just what, 25 days of, till Christmas gets here and fewer days of shopping than that. Lots to do, busy schedules, busy lives, and yet you've chosen to be here today. Why? Why is First Baptist Church here? And it's been here all these many years. Why have you chosen to be a part of this church if this is your church family? If you're visiting today, why did you choose to come uh, to this church this morning? In the midst of all of those whys, that overarching question, why are we here? Is what I want to focus in on today. I want to offer some responses to that question uh, that I hope will help us understand and affirm why we're here and what God has called us to do and to be about. And the very first response that I want to offer to that question is this. Uh, we are here because of the people's plight. We're here because of the plight of the people. 
If we were able to step back in time to when Isaiah 56 would have first been written, what we would know is that it was a very difficult time for God's people, the Israelites, uh, the Jews. Uh, many of the difficulties they were facing were difficulties of their own making. Uh, they had, uh, over time, strayed from the Lord. They were not walking in the way that he had for them. They were rebellious in many ways. Many of the Israelites were worshiping false gods, the, the idols of the nations. They were treating the poor unjustly. They, uh, they uh, were living in their sin. And the Lord had sent prophets to call them back to him. In essence, to say, I love you and I want better for you than this. He realized that they were walking a pathway that was going to lead to great pain in their lives. It was, in essence, a pathway of destruction. And loving them as he does, he called them back. But the people didn't listen. And so the Lord sent other prophets to, to say to them that uh, I, I'm calling you back to me to turn from your sin, turn back to the way I have for you. And if you don't, I will extend my hand of discipline. I will remove my hand of protection. The book of Hebrews, the New Testament, uses the image of a father disciplining his son to help us understand that the Lord disciplines those who are his out of his love, his desire to protect us and to guide us in the right way. And the Lord had pledged to Israel when they would not turn back from his call to love that because he loved them, he would discipline them. But they continued not to listen. And then the Lord did what he said he would do because the Lord always does what he says he will do. And the end result of that was that the Lord's hand of protection was lifted from Israel. They were overrun by their enemies. Many of them were carried off into exile, into foreign lands. There was much pain. And finally, they began to turn back to the Lord. Uh, there have been times in my life when that's what it took for me to hear from the Lord. That's what it took for me to turn back to the Lord. It took pain. I wouldn't listen or respond to anything else, but that certainly got my attention. And I'm thankful that God loves me enough that he was willing to do whatever it took to call me back to himself. The Lord loves all of us that much. The Lord loves the Israelites that much. Where we pick up here in Isaiah 56, the Israelites had begun to turn back to the Lord, and now the Lord has a new word uh, to speak through the prophet to them, and it is a word of hope. It is a word uh, that they have been longing to hear. Uh, in the first couple of verses, the Lord speaks to the Israelites in Isaiah 56. And looking at the text, this is what the Lord says. Preserve justice and do what is right, for my salvation is coming soon and my righteousness will be revealed. Happy is the person who does this, the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Of those two verses, I want to highlight what we see there in verse 1 where the Lord says this, my salvation is coming soon. Don't you know that was a good word? For a people who knew they needed forgiveness, they knew they needed salvation. They knew they needed to be delivered from their sin. They needed to be delivered from their enemies who had overrun them. The Lord always knows what we need. 
And the Lord speaks a word of hope to his chosen people, the Israelites, the Jews. But as we continue reading, we find that he's not only speaking to the Israelites, the Jews. There's two other groups of people who are mentioned in verse 3. Look with me at verse 3. No foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord should say, the Lord will exclude me from his people. And the eunuch should not say, look, I am a dried up tree. So the Lord references in verse 3, first the foreigner, not just any foreigner. He references the foreigners who have joined themselves to the Lord. So these were believers. These were God-fearers. They were God-followers. These were, were faithful people. Even though they were not Israelites, they were not Jews. They knew the one true God, and they desired to follow him. But they might have been wondering... As the Lord spoke a word of hope to the Israelites, if that included them as well, because the Lord, knowing what we think, he knows what's on our hearts and on our minds, uh, says the foreigner who's joined himself, the Lord should not say the Lord will exclude me from his people. Now, why would the foreigners who are following the Lord uh, fear that the Lord would exclude them from the Lord's people? Well, there's a sense in which the foreigners often felt excluded. Uh, for example, when, when the Jews came together for worship, there were certain places in the temple where Jews could go, but the foreigners could not, even if they were faithful followers and believers. Uh, when the time came for the fellowship meal, uh, the foreigners uh, could not sit with the Jews. The Jews would not sit with the foreigners. So they were always, uh, in a sense, excluded in many ways. Then the Lord references the eunuch. He says, let not the eunuch say, look, I'm a dried up tree. The eunuch is typically a slave. Not a eunuch by choice, but a eunuch by force. So they would not be a threat uh, to those uh, family members who were of the family that they were serving or enslaved to. It's hard to imagine the plight of a slave. The hopelessness. The desperation. A eunuch who is a slave, a servant, owned, owns nothing, probably not even a name except slave or servant, a life spent in loneliness, no family, no prospect of having a family. It's hard to imagine the plight, what, what it feels like to be a slave. And yet if we continue reading in our Bibles and we get over in the New Testament, we find that we are all referred to as slaves. Or at least we have been at some point because uh, the Bible says in the New Testament, the one who sins is a what? A slave to sin. And Paul goes on in the book of Romans to say that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. I've sinned. All means me. All means you. Because all means all. We've all sinned. And to sin is to be a slave to sin. Aren't you thankful for a savior? Aren't you thankful for the one who loved you enough to buy your freedom? Uh, the one who, who loved you enough to lay his own life down 
Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Aren't you thankful for the good news of the gospel that tells us that any who would turn from their sin and turn to him, any who would have faith in him, trust in him, any who would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. Church, that's why we're here. We're here because the Lord has given us freedom. He has set us free from our slavery to sin. He has forgiven us. He has redeemed us. And we've gathered here to worship him. What a beautiful job the choir and the worship leaders uh, did this morning in in leading us. And and it's good for us to be here, to rejoice in all that he has done for us. But church, we're not only here to rejoice in what he has done for us. We're not only here to worship. We are here because there are still, within just a few miles of this church building and where we gather today, there are still thousands upon thousands of people who remain enslaved. And they're enslaved to the same things that once enslaved us. They're enslaved to their greed. They're enslaved uh, to uh, their lust. They're enslaved to, to their gossiping tongues. They're enslaved to their sin. They're enslaved to their addictions. The same things that enslaved us. And apart from being redeemed in Christ... They will forever be enslaved in hell, separated from the God of love. And that's why we're here. First Baptist Church is here because there are still many out there. The Lord wants them in here. First Baptist Church is here because among the nations, there are still not thousands, not hundreds of thousands, not millions, but billions who are lost, billions who remain enslaved to their sin. And the Lord did not save us and take us to heaven. As beautiful as the worship was here this morning, I think it's gonna be better in heaven. (laughs) But the Lord did not save us and take us to heaven. He's not taken us to heaven yet, he's left us here. Why? Because they're still out there. And the Lord still wants the gospel to be preached and the gospel to be heard. In this city, across North America and to the very ends of the earth. And that's why we're here. We're here because of the people's plight. One of your missionaries in East Asia works among the deaf. Recently, I heard a report on that missionary and his ministry. He had shared the gospel with a deaf lady and And she had come to faith and he was discipling her. She was married to a notorious gang leader who was also deaf. And when she came to faith, he wanted nothing to do with the faith that she had embraced. But as a missionary who you have sent to East Asia and whose provision you make, when you give and when you pray. As that missionary discipled this young lady, oftentimes in the presence of her husband, his curiosity began to grow. And eventually he began to ask questions, noting the change in his wife's life. He began to ask questions about this Jesus who she has come to believe. 
And your missionary through sign was able to share the gospel with him. And he too was saved. And then, as he was being discipled, he began to do what gang leaders for Jesus do. He began to start new gangs. (laughs) Churches, we call them. (laughs) And last I heard, they've started nine new churches uh, among the deaf in East Asia through his work and his wife's work. The Lord did not save them and take them to heaven. He left them in East Asia because there are still millions of deaf who do not know the gospel. Church, that's why we're here. Here because of the people's plight. Here because of the promises of God. It's interesting as you continue reading this passage, how many promises God makes uh, to not only the Jew, promising salvation in verse 1, But the Lord makes promises to the eunuch and to the foreigner. Verse 4, the Lord says this, For the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what please me and hold firmly to my covenant, verse 5, here are the promises, I will give them in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give each of them an everlasting name that will never be cut off. Verse 6, for the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and become his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold firmly to my covenant and hear promises to the foreigners in verse 7. I will bring them to my holy mountain and let them rejoice in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar. For my house will be called, listen to this, I love the end of verse 7. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. It's interesting that the word for nations there, of course, this would have originally been written in the Hebrew language. The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. The word of Hebrew that is translated as nations is the same word for foreigners. So, so notice what God does. Notice what God promises the foreigner. Remember, the foreigner always felt excluded. The foreigner couldn't go certain places in the temple to worship. The foreigner could not eat uh, with, with, with the Jews, the Israelites, the elect of God. The foreigner always felt at a distance. And the Lord says, no, it, it's not that way. In fact, so you never forget that you belong. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rename my house after you. My house will be called a house of prayer for the foreigners. My house will be called a house of prayer for the nations. Isn't it beautiful? The Lord knows the pains that we carry. He knows the feelings that we have. Maybe you came in here this morning wondering, do I belong here? Is there a place for me? Am I supposed to be here? Given what I've done, given my background, is, is, are they willing to welcome me in? Is the Lord willing willing to welcome me in? Well, the answer is yes, 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 yes. There's no one too far, no one too lost, no one too broken, no one who carries too much pain that the Lord has not made a promise to, to welcome you in, to accept you, to restore you, to give you a place. Even as he promised the unit to give you a new name, his name. The one who didn't have a name except servant or slave, the Lord says, I will give them a name better than my sons and daughters' names. Promise after promise in these verses. 
the Lord gives. The beautiful thing that we are able to see this morning as we look back uh, to Isaiah 56, written many thousands of years before, is that every promise that God makes in Isaiah 56 has already been kept. And they've all been kept in the same way. Or, Or let me say that more accurately. Every one of these promises have been kept through the same one. They've been kept through Jesus. Jesus, well, the Lord promises salvation in verse one. What did he do? He sent a savior, Jesus. The Lord promises acceptance. What did he do? He allowed his own son to be rejected, bearing the sins of the world, your sins and mine, so we could be accepted. The Lord promises a place in his family. What did he do? His own son carried our cross bore our sin to pay the price of our adoption and our salvation. He went out so we could come in. Book of Hebrews says he was sacrificed outside of the camp, outside of the gates of the city so we could be welcomed in. And the Lord has made a way for all to come in talking brother david thank you brother david for your ministry and and leading the mission efforts here at first baptist church i know that that those mission efforts wouldn't take place without a pastor who has a heart for the nations as well but i appreciate your leadership had the opportunity to visit with him just briefly before service we were sharing about some common connections in uganda Uh, we were in uganda in early may and uh, part of our time there, we spent in the refugee camps or the refugee settlements up in northern Uganda, right on the border of South Sudan and the Congo. And there we learned the plight of a young man, a 16-year-old boy, uh, who was living in South Sudan. Uh, war-torn land, genocide being committed there. Somehow he managed to get away and make his way into Uganda. He did not, however, come along because traveling with him as they walked from Sudan to Uganda were his four younger brothers and sisters. So imagine the scene as they wander into a refugee camp. 16-year-old boy, four younger brothers and sisters. They have nothing in their hands, barely clothes on their back. They are hungry. They are beyond poor. They are destitute. They have no hope, only desperation. And then one of your missionaries learned of their plight. And he went out to them and began to minister to them. And seeing their need, they were homeless and helpless and hopeless. The love of First Baptist Church and the love of Southern Baptists across this land began to go to work. And when we visited in Uganda, we were able to see the house that you built them. A 16-year-old boy is no longer homeless, trying to take care of and protect his four little brothers and sisters. They have a brick home. Now, it's a very modest brick home, I'll have to tell you. This is a refugee camp, remember. But, but it's, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, 10 by 14, two little rooms, but it's what they need. And they are provided food, and they have heard the gospel. 
because you love them and because the Lord loves them. He is welcoming them in. He's made promises to them and he's keeping them. And church, that's why we're here. We're here to celebrate the God of promise who has made promises to us and who has kept them, who has saved us and welcomed us in. But we are here because there are still people across this city and around the world who know not of the promises of God and many of them don't even know there's a God to make them a promise. But the Lord has left us here to bear witness to his promises, to his hope, to the truth of the gospel. Even among the nations, we're here because of their plight. We're here because of God's promises. We're here because God has a purpose. God has a purpose for every one of us and certainly for this church family. I I, want to wrap up where we started. We started with verse 8. Let me reread verse 8 where the Lord says, This is the declaration of the Lord God who gathers the dispersed of Israel. I will gather to them still others besides those already gathered. That word others is a very important word for me. The one who gathers the dispersed of Israel says, I will gather still others. That's an important word for me because I'm an other. I'm not a dispersed of Israel. I'm not an Israelite. I'm not a Jew. And yet the Lord in his kindness gathered me in. He sent two deacons on visitation night in a little Baptist church in a little town in the mountains where I was living with my father and my two younger brothers, single dad raising three boys on his own. We were in a little rental house on 210 Province Street. And on visitation night, those two deacons came up to our house and they knocked on the door. And they invited my father to church. And he went. And he took us with him. And that over time changed my eternity and it changed my life I'm thankful for a couple of Baptist deacons who knew why they were there for a church family who knew why it was there I'm thankful that this church family knows why you're here you're here because God has a purpose for you and that purpose is unfolding here and around the world as you serve him and there is still work to be done Reading uh, about the eunuch in this passage brings to mind for me another passage in the Bible where we read about a eunuch. You remember in Acts chapter 8, the story of the Ethiopian eunuch? It's interesting that the story of the Ethiopian eunuch does not begin with the Ethiopian eunuch. It begins uh, with a servant of the Lord whose name is Philip. The Lord has saved him, but the Lord didn't take him to heaven. He left him here. And one day an angel of the Lord appeared to Philip He, in essence, told him, I've got something for you to do. And Philip, who wanted to fulfill God's purpose for his life, said, show me what to do. And the angel led him along the way, the Bible says. And as he did, he came up to a chariot. And in that chariot, there was a eunuch from Ethiopia. Apparently, he had risen up through the ranks of servitude because the Bible says he was a treasure to the queen. Philip noticed that he was reading something and he asked him, what are you reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch said, this is what I'm reading. 
And he was reading from the scroll of the book of the prophet. Do you remember? Isaiah, what a coincidence. (laughs) It's not a coincidence. God made a promise. And hundreds of years later, God fulfilled that promise as the Ethiopian eunuch was reading just three chapters back from where we're reading this morning. He was reading Isaiah 53 about a savior who would come, bear the sins of the people by whose stripes we would be healed. And Philip Ask him, do you understand what you're reading? He said, well, how could I unless someone explained it to me? And then Philip knew his purpose. And he shared with the Ethiopian eunuch the gospel, the story of Jesus, what he had done, how he died, how he'd been raised, how he is the Savior and the Lord of all. And apparently the Ethiopian eunuch believed what he heard because the Bible says as they went along the way, they came to a hole of water. And he asked me, now what would prevent me from being baptized? What would prevent me from letting the world know that I believe that I'm a follower of Jesus? What would prevent me from bearing that mark of one who is in covenant with Christ? As Paul says in Romans 6, buried with Christ through baptism unto death and raised to new life. What would prevent me? And obviously the answer was nothing because the Bible says Philip got down and he baptized him and another other was welcomed in. Pastor, I preached that passage some time back. And at the time of invitation, there was a little girl who stepped out and she walked down the aisle where I was standing at the front of the church. I noticed her, her skin was dark and pigmentation, not light like mine. She looked up at me and she said, I want to be baptized. And there was a couple who had stepped out behind her and they walked all the way down. They stood right behind her, their skin light like mine. And as soon as she said, I want to be baptized, One of them spoke up and said, this is our daughter. We adopted her from an orphanage in Ethiopia. And she's heard the gospel. And she's given her life to Jesus. And we believe that, yes, it's time for her to be baptized. That's about all I can do keep from shouting as I thought, the Lord has kept another promise, another other has come in. And yet, there are still others. And you may feel like another here this morning because you've yet to put your trust in Jesus and be saved. Today, you've heard of the promises he's made. You've heard of what he's done. Know that if you will simply put your trust in him, have faith in him, confess him as Lord of your life, All of those promises will be yours. You'll be forgiven, adopted, welcomed into his kingdom, born again. We're going to have a time of commitment in just a moment. And as we sing, if you're giving your life to the Lord today, we want to be able to rejoice with you and to welcome you into God's family. The pastor's going to be standing here at the front. We'd ask you as we sing to come forward. Maybe you have questions. What does that mean? What does it take? Brother Thurman can answer those questions. You come. Uh, Let him. Maybe here today as a believer, you've not been baptized, but you know that because Jesus was and he told us to, and we find that throughout scripture, it's time for you to be. If you would come forward today, I'm betting the church would love to make plans for your baptism. Maybe you're feeling led to be a member here. There's still so much work to be done. Still so many others. And I know they would welcome you. 
according to the way they receive members here at First Baptist Church. However God is dealing with you, maybe it's a call to the nations. Oh, there are so many others. Don't delay. Answer his call. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. We worship at 8.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I could help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.